Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and today we delve into your business legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? Do you have a succession plan or an exit strategy in place? My guest is attorney Denise Garak, and she earned her JD at the IIT, Chicago Kent College of Law, and has been assisting assisted clients for over 30 years. In addition to her law degree, she is also a certified public accountant and has a master's degree in business management from Illinois' prestigious Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. Now, this is her second visit to your partner in Success Radio. And when she was here in September of last year, we discussed the concept of legacy for your business and how to appropriately exit from your business, and there's a lot of moving parts there, among other things. In fact, we ran out of time. We flat ran out of time to fully explore what I consider to be a very business important, very important business topic. Y'all, my feet are cold. My hands are cold. I'm stuttering. I'll apologize right now. (laughs) Probably should close the windows, but I like the fresh air. So Denise joins us today to talk about the other side of exit strategy, the buyer, and what they are looking for, as well as how some exit strategies have had to adapt to a very lengthy pandemic lockdown in our world. I suspect that's going to be a pretty interesting conversation. So good morning, Denise. It's good to have you back here. Well, good morning. It's great to be back here. You have great uh, listeners, and I'm happy to uh, you know, share my wisdom with them. And, you know, you just explained my entire podcast. It's not about me. It's never been about me. It's about you, my guests, and what you can bring to an ever-increasing audience. And my audience is very important. And they love to hear what my guests have to say. So I'm so glad that you are able and willing to come back. So let's, if you don't mind, recap a little bit about what we talked about last, it was September, and then let's just carry on because we've got a lot to share. Sure. Well, the last time we were talking about things from the seller's standpoint, um, because and this, the tie-in to legacy is really the, the biggest asset in people's estates and what they work for all their life if they're entrepreneurs is their business. And so we were talking about how to exit the business, how to, um, you know, create um, the right uh, space for the business to be able to continue. Um, because no no person who spends, you know, 60, 80 hours a week on their business for 35 years uh, wants to end up having this business just, you know, go to the four winds when they're ready to retire or worse, when they pass. So we were inviting, uh, you know, the listeners to consider that this should be in the, the game plan from the very start. When they start the business, they should look at how are what's their exit strategy going to look like? And then even if it's very basic, like, um, oh, here are the top uh, four or five uh, businesses, competitors maybe, that uh, could buy out a business in the event that uh, you as an entrepreneur passed away um, and that they would be honest and forthright and not, uh, you know, uh, uh, mess with things or try to, uh, you know, just go after your clients, your customers, um, you know, that at least you have something in place, uh, you know, for that purpose. Uh, also in the event of disability and you can't act anymore. So we were looking at it from that standpoint and, you know, how to pass that legacy on uh, either to a buyer or to your family. I don't know that we spent a lot of time talking about uh, your family's potential involvement, but that is one of the exit strategies I see people using um, if they have family members who are really interested in uh, doing that and uh, uh, you know they feel that they're competent to uh, do that. So that's where we, I think, had uh, talked about it uh, last time. We also went into some other 
concepts, but we can talk about that uh, if we have time today, because I know we ran out last time. We're going to run out of time, I can tell you. We always do. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to tell you, the other night, I was my my best friend and I have been talking about updating our wills and just, you know, things have changed. And her sister had passed away very unexpectedly in, in Atlanta a couple of months ago, and that got us to going, you know, we better kind of update our stuff. So we were having about a two-hour conversation the other day, and this was about personal wills and, you know, what has to happen, you know, with her money, who's the beneficiaries, you know, everything. And from there, we went to exactly what you're talking about. And I have to tell you, Denise, she said, oh, my God, I never even thought of that. So this is right. not uncommon, is it? People are like, okay, I'll do my will. Yeah, I'll somebody has to take care of my cat. No. She has cats. I have cats. And she wants to, right. you know, spend most of the money that comes from her estate to charities. And right. I was like, oh, I know some great cat charities. <laughs> there, there we uh-huh. went. <laughs> she just said, how come I never thought about that? And I said, you know, I think after listening to Denise Garak that a lot of people don't. So are you finding that, that people are saying, oh, geez, how did I miss that? Well, there are a lot of people that don't want to face uh, a potential mortality, even if it's Mm. years in the future. I have had a couple of people who have come in for wills and trusts and what have you, estate planning, where they have actually, I've asked them, "Why, why did it take so long? You've been thinking about this for 20 years. Why did it take so long to come in? And the answer was, and I knew this was going to be the answer, I thought I would die sooner if I did that. Oh, you know, I think you mentioned that before, and I remember just right. being shocked by that because that that's not even logical. Of course, the or thought the of another, death is not logical. No, no. And another thing is they haven't made up their mind. And, you know, I, I do tell them that, hey, this is not irrevocable until you can't act anymore or you die. So you can change it. So give it your best shot now. But many people want to have clarity in their minds over everything um, rather than, you know, hey, let's let's do some basic protection uh, for the interim until you know uh, better what you want to have. And then you can, you know, do an amendment or change or codicil, uh, depending on what your plan is including. Um, but it is it is surprising how many people don't have wills. I just uh, had one of my clients who had a, a business uh, who just was found dead in his house. He was a single oh. person, had, uh, you know, adult children, but he, you know, at 65, he was just found dead in his house. And so, you know, he had a, a business, and, uh, you know, I am... Uh, appointed his administrator, so now I get to run his business as well as mine um, until I can find a buyer for it. So this is the the result of, you know, not being willing to uh, plan ahead um, and just say, well, it could happen, but most likely at 65 it's not going to happen because people live a longer life, generally speaking. Um, but in the year 2020, there were a lot of things just like that uh, that you just didn't expect. So, um, you know, it's best to have you plan rather than have me plan post-death. Exactly. And, Denise, I'm so glad that you mentioned you know, a will or a, um, what did you call it? A will a trust. Or a trust. Yeah. Because my friend's estate attorney is trying to push her in a trust, and she's single. She doesn't have children. I'm darned if I understand the logic there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask Denise, probably ask her uh-huh. unless you want to kind of cover that briefly here. But Sure, I, we can certainly frankly, do I that. Could, cause, you know, I couldn't right. see the point in a trust, but I don't know. So okay, maybe so is, yeah, let me uh, talk to that a little bit. Um, estate planning is supposed to protect you while you're alive as well as when you're gone. A will only comes uh, becomes operational uh, when you die. After you're gone, right. And so when you're gone, uh, that's great, but how about when you're 80 and you have uh, Alzheimer's? Or how about if you're in a, a car wreck and you're in, in a coma? Who's going to speak for you? Who's going to be able to access your assets to pay for your care? Oh. So that's why people do a living trust. They put their assets uh, and retitle them into the living trust name 
so that their successor trustee, in the event that they uh, don't have their wits about them anymore for whatever reason, um, or have a you know they're disabled, uh, meaning they can't handle things, they have appointed in their document a successor to them who can step right in and uh, start you know managing their assets and paying their bills. So that is the reason why people do a trust. Um, I, I laugh because I had gone to a, an estate uh, tax conference uh, at Nor uh, Notre Dame one time, and there were these two attorneys, and they were arguing. One said, I never use a living trust. The other one said, I always use living trust. And they went back and forth for five minutes, and I'm thinking, well, I wonder what this is going to turn out to be. And so finally, the one guy who used living trust all the time said to the other ones, why don't you use living trust? And this is what he said. I make more money off of the probate estates. Now, uh -huh. I was appalled at that because that tells me that, you know, whose best interest does that person have at heart? Exactly. Um, you know, oh if my. you had to, during your disability, um, you know, somebody has to access this and they can't, they need to do a probate estate called a guardianship, which is uh, actually the the probate estate that's more expensive because every time you change the situation, like person needs to have more therapy and needs to be in this other, in Marion Joy or some other uh, place, you have to go to court and you have to ask their permission to move you. So it ends up being a, a very pricey thing during your your uh, time that you're alive. So, um, you know, I recommend to people that it's a good idea to have this living trust. It structures everything and it makes it easier on your next, uh, you know, trustee because everything's organized. You have a list of assets. Everything is all there so that person can step in, get your binder that has copies of everything in it, and they can step in and just start right out and, and do what's necessary for your care instead of allowing your family to fight over it. I am so glad I asked you that because this has been something that my friend and I, Maggie, have been talking about for a while. Mm -hmm. And you know, each year about January, okay, let's get our wills updated. Okay. And then next right. year, January, we're... Uh, let's do it this time. <laughs> but of yes, course, yes, yes. Really it's a good idea to do that. Um, yeah. The other thing you should have as part of your estate plan are powers of attorney. Uh, oh, powers yeah. of attorney tend to be state-specific, um, but they need to, need to be updated um, you know, fairly frequently, whereas a will and a trust don't need to. Um, oh. And the reason for that is uh, that um, most states have chase uh, bank branches, for instance, or Citicorp. Uh, so I'm not picking on one bank or another, but they come emanate out of uh, New York, and they have their own set of rules. So even though in our state-specific uh, case, uh, Illinois, um, you know, our powers of attorney are called durable powers of attorney, and they can last until the day you die. You don't have to have your wits about you. Uh, the next person can step in at that point. Um, the big banks have come in and said, well, I won't accept, I won't work with a power of attorney that's older than three to five years. Oh. And this started fairly recently that I was running into this, and uh, I'd have to deal with their New York lawyers uh, to show them where in the statute these are uh, long-term and they can be used uh, for the rest of the person's life. Um, I always win, but not everybody's going to. <laughs> so, and that, um, you again, know. it gets costly, doesn't it? I mean, it's who's going to pay well, for the powers of attorney? Uh, yeah, that you can update those. Uh, you know, every three to five years, and those aren't too costly to do. Um, you know, but uh, you may not need to do that as frequently if you have everything set up in a living trust and all the, your assets are titled in the name of the living trust. Because uh, the power of attorney generally is not going to control over the trust, your successor trustee will. So, you know, you aren't going to need that document for that purpose. But if you do, like, have to be in a rehab facility and somebody has to sign your name, you want that power of attorney to be able to be used for that purpose so it doesn't obligate the one who's signing personally. 
You Understood. just want them to obligate you instead. All right. And see, I live in, in Louisiana. We are still mm-hmm. very much under the Napoleonic Code. So a lot of what may work in the rest of the United States right. is just not here. So we have to be really careful, and we have to hire a, you know, attorneys, CPAs, who know what the heck is going mm-hmm. on in this state. So that's good to know. See, I, and then, of course, going back to what I, I first asked you, you have to, what I'm taking from this is you have to have your personal stuff taken care of, and then you should move on to your business. It shouldn't be the other way around if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly. Well, it's a, a combination of things. So, you know, you're documenting what's going to happen with your business, both on your estate planning side and on your business side. So on your estate planning side, you're going to say perhaps in your trust that I'm going to give uh, my shares, 100% of my shares of stock to my son, John, because John's been involved in the business. So that's a, a form of, you know, exit strategy. When I die, it is all going to go to uh, John because he's in, involved in the business. Now, along with that, you have three other kids uh, who are not going to get those shares so you have to um, allocate other assets to them so that they all come out equal if that's what you the result you want um, or provide for some insurance coverage that's going to go to them that will make up for that so that there aren't, you know, uh, major fights uh, after you die. So that's documenting it on the estate planning side. Um, it may be that you direct, uh, you know, your trustee to go ahead and sell this if you still are an owner of this. And so you're going to document that in your living trust as well. Um, So that's all on the personal side, making an initial decision, which you could change later, of what's going to happen with your company in the event something tragic happens to you. Now on the business side, you're also documenting it. You have a plan that you're going to put in writing that says, okay, in the event I die, I want John to have all of the stock, and I'm putting that into my estate plan. Or alternatively, um, you know, I have a couple of partners that are involved in my business, and they have an interest, and so I'm going to have um, an operating agreement in the case of an LLC, or I'm going to have a shareholder agreement. They're the same kind of things, but they're called differently depending if you're a corporation or a limited liability company. And um, I'm going to put in there that the other parties, the other partners who already have shares, uh, have the right to buy my interest out. And I, I may couple that with some life insurance that would allow them to bootstrap to do that so that my estate will end up with the money uh, that comes out of the sale of your business. So, and I'm glad you said that because I was going mm-hmm. to ask you about partner insurance. I don't think a lot of people really, you know, people who may be listening who have a business, they're fairly new. They're still working on just making the business work. They may not even know about partner insurance. So let's talk about that All as right. we go. Okay. Well, you know, when when you uh, have a business, you uh, have to, and we talked a little bit about this last time, you're determining what the value is. So when you exit, um, you are determining what your percentage of that value is going to be. So let's assume you start uh, a business and you have three of you as partners in the business. Um, If one of you uh, passes away, and it could be one of your partners, uh, or can't act or becomes... uh, you know, a gambler, drug addict, or whatever uh, things that aren't going to work in your business, Um, you know, if you don't restrict your stock, the ownership, so that they can't go out and sell to someone else, they could go find uh, somebody on the street and just sell it to them, and now you have a whole other partner. Uh, Alternatively, upon their, their passing, um, they leave everything to their spouse, and now you have a new yeah. partner. I was going to um, ask you about so, that too. Right, right. And most people don't want to deal with their, um, you know, friend, uh, their partner's uh, spouse, or their partner's kids, uh, who would take over their interest under normal estate planning. Um, you know, under probate, even it's going to go to the family, to the kids. 
And so, um, you know, that creates a, a problem. So how do you deal with that problem? You have to have your documents in order for your uh, businesses. You start with an operating agreement in the case of an LLC and a shareholder agreement if you have a corporation. And in the, that, you're going to give an option to the company probably first because that's usually where there's more cash uh, in there uh, to buy out the interest from the estate or from the other party who wants to get out or from the other party, one of the partners who's not carrying their weight or you've outgrown or whatever the circumstances are. So when you're at the front end and you're just, uh, you know, starting your business, you know, this is like the furthest thing from your mind that you're going to have a business divorce. But most of the time it does happen. Yeah, at some point I've in time you recognize back. that the people that you started with um, are not uh, producing like you thought. Uh, they're not uh, handling things, uh, you know, the way they should. They're not pulling their weight. Whatever uh, words you want to put it, there, you know, it, or they just could have uh, some calamity happen. And so now you're paying perhaps a salary to somebody who can't work. So you have to look at this as, well, anything can happen, and let's at least have something in place that's going to cover this. So most agreements will say if you're going to buy out uh, from a living partner, um, you have to put so you get a value to it on that date that you're going to buy the person out or you have a formula um, and you're going to uh, pay them a certain amount as a downstroke and then you're going to pay them over, say, a five-year period so that you can spread the thing out. Now, in the case so, of a death, that's different. Well, right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I had a question. Oh, no. The minute, Go ahead. No, the minute I said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted you, it left. My thought oh, is I'm gone. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Yeah. My, well, let's just, go oh, back and important. talk insurance then. Yeah. yeah. It, it'll yeah, come yeah. back, and when it does, it just will. jump right in. <laughs> okay. um, but with insurance, uh, if you couple whatever the value is of the interest with insurance, then the insurance can kick in upon the death and, um, you know, try to pay as much of um what the value of the deceased uh, partner's interest is so you can buy out the interest from the spouse or or the children or their estate um, and you'll have the cash to do it. Um, the thing with that is you have to look at um, how much, um, what's the value of the business periodically, not every six months, not every year, but periodically, you know the value is going to change because you've been working like a dog to get this thing going and, and make it work and make it prosper. So you may have to increase the amount of the insur insurance if you're successful. Um, but that's the way to do it so that you aren't going to be ending up dealing with um, an estate or children or a spouse who is going to have different ideas than your deceased partner would have. Exactly. And that brings us back to this pandemic, this very lengthy shutdown mm -hmm. of our country, which, you know, when we first started, it was going to be three weeks and it was just going to be you know, a couple of weeks more. Now we're, what, nine months into this? So right. I'm wondering if you've been working your fanny off, and we all are, trying to keep your business either afloat or growing but nothing is really working, and the the business is actually decreasing in so many ways. Is that when you have it reevaluated, and then well, take a look at um, how you're paying for these things? I think a lot of people have had differing views. So there are, like, say, manufacturing companies that I represent, and some of them are doing very well because uh, they are selling to, um, like, a Fortune 500 company. And so they are doing fine, and uh, they take precautions, and they're deemed to be like an essential service, so they never shut down. Um, then there are a lot of companies that, you know, are um, regular, you know, service companies uh, that the people who are owners have had to adapt uh, to working remotely, to selling services online, um, 
through Zoom or through some of the other platforms that are available out there. And some of them are doing okay because they had to adapt and it took them a while. Um, but they find that this has created some new opportunities for them. Um, and then there's the um, other group of, uh, you know, businesses that may be restaurants or maybe small stores or, or that type of thing that were unfortunately not deemed by the powers that be to be essential services. And so they've been shut down for a while, and many of those are not going to come back, and they're going to lose uh, their entire amount of equity. Um, you know, they don't have insurance that's going to cover this, and, uh, you know, Maybe they've gone through their PPP program or their ITIL loan, and they've already spent the the money to keep uh, you know their employees around, not expecting this to last for nine plus. So you know it it has. A, I have seen a lot of um, people that have been successful in their businesses for a long time, um, thirty plus years, thirty five plus years, forty years, um, and they're at this point looking for buyers if someone knocks on their door they're they're like i i'm done i'm spent i can't reinvent myself uh under these circumstances so they may not have gotten the what they needed out of their business but they're right. they're moving on well what about and that's you know i understand what you're saying about restaurants and you know mm-hmm. people who serve the public in whatever way and they're shut down they're just dead in the water right they Anything that these people can do to at least, I don't know, scrape the pennies up off the floor and shut it down? Or do they just lose? What happens? It it makes me sick to watch some of this. I mean, some of the very famous restaurants all over the country that we've all heard of, New Orleans, San Francisco, New York. And you're like, what the heck? How can this even happen? But we won't go down that road. But what no. can they do? Is there anything they can do? Well, um, you know, if well, first they have to cut their costs way back. And right. so, you know, maybe they have to look at how they are uh, producing their services or how they serve the public. Can they do it in another way? Um, you know, can they do it online? Um, online has saved a lot of people. Um, you know, can they, if they're a restaurant, can they get enough um uh, promotion of Uber kinds of things to make it really a viable business. You look at like pizza, you know, places, and many of those um, have uh, just done very well over the last nine months because people are like stuck in their homes. Um, so you really have to not be stuck on the old model um, and just find ways of working around it. Uh, but in cutting your costs, one of the big costs, if you have a storefront or something like that, is that you've got a lease. And oh, while, no. you know there have and been I was thinking times. It was your people. I didn't even think about the lease. Right, right. So your your PPP program um, is meant to assist you with both uh, people as well as uh, your rent and your utilities and that type of thing. And now there's a, a secondary. Uh, draw that you can do for PPP that may be able to keep you in business uh, longer uh, now that things seem to be thawing uh, uh, just at the time of inauguration. Funny that's where, how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, at least, uh, you know, it can keep you alive and uh, functioning and keep, uh, you know, the roof over the business's head so you can start up again as it thaws. So that might be a, an option to do. Definitely, I would tell you if you do have, um, you know, a, a tenancy, a, you know, a space that you're renting, that you communicate uh, with your um, landlord. Uh, the landlord may not like uh, the fact that they're not getting paid uh, full rent. Uh, maybe they're not getting paid any rent. But if you've been a long-term player and uh, you've paid every month, they understand that some things are just out of your control. So you have to keep them informed. So I've done with some um, landlord clients, um, you know, and they've had some restaurants or other, um, you know, different people in their spaces. I've worked with uh, those uh, people in the spaces to see what can they pay, you know, 
and uh, can we extend the lease uh, for a longer term at the other end in return for not collecting the rent now? And that way, oh. they, as a landlord, they go back to their, um, you know, they have a loan, uh, you know, with the bank. So they go back to their bank and they say, see, I've got this deal that's going to go longer. So how about if you give me some slack and um, I may have a five-year, um, you know, loan that is, uh, you know, maybe halfway through, let's extend that loan for an extra, you know, year or two years to um, equate to what I'm doing with these uh, tenants. So, so communication from everybody is so important. Right. You can't just hide in your bathroom and cry. I mean, you have to right. be very proactive. And before I get too far away, what is PPP? Mm-hmm. Oh, it is the program that the government, uh, you know, came uh, up with, the payroll protection uh, program or whatever, uh, back uh, at the front end of this, I think it was passed, like, I want to say April or something. And you had to apply for the the loan, and then it was a forgivable loan. So, um, But you had to apply for forgiveness. Um, now, if the loan is small enough, um, they have a form that they've come out with, and I think it's just coming out now, that uh, you just attest to the fact that uh, you've used uh, whatever the loan is for the purposes intended, and then you will be forgiven from having to pay that. Um, Now, you know, from a a tax standpoint, normally um, anything you take into your business is income. Um, But, uh, you know, what they initially said was, okay, either taking it in as income to offset the expenses that you're using it for, um, or you're not going to get the expense deduction. That just changed, too, so that not only is it forgivable and you receive the money, but you also get to deduct the expenses on your tax return. So it it has been uh, what has kept many small businesses alive. That's good to know because I honestly had no idea that that had happened. So right. like, is it too late to get, you know, ask for that loan and follow the process? No, they or- they had an initial um, amount uh, that they were putting out there for businesses to do, and some of the bigger businesses they hadn't intended um, had taken advantage of it and had to put some money back. Oh, but they, I, yeah. now I know what you're talking about because right. some of these people, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm not sure that Elon Musk wasn't one of them, and I hope I'm not profaning him, but I think he was. Yeah. Well, there were other names that you probably would recognize. And, you know, I think they had to go back to their own capital markets to get money to, you know, stay afloat and pay the government back. But they didn't use up all of the money that they had allocated. So they're doing a second round of this PPP. Uh, The PPP comes and is administered through the SBA. So, um, but you have to go through your banker to apply for it. Right. So if you have a, a business banker, you should contact your business banker and they can fill you in on how to go about doing it and whether or not you'll qualify. So there could be some relief somewhere. Right. That's good to know. That's really good to know. So anybody right. listening, if you haven't done this and you think you might be ready to do that, get moving. Go call your banker because anything to do with you know small business administration, you have to go through your bank. So right, go for it and start now. Mhm. Okay, where where do we go from there? So we've been talking an awful lot about how small businesses can kind of help themselves right now. And great information. I've been scribbling. What else do you think people need to know before we move on to the next topic? Well, um, I think you, you know, and I've seen a lot of uh, business owners at the front end of this, you know, feeling sad for themselves, and I feel sad for them for having to close down and what have you. Um, There were things that we couldn't do anything about, but the ones that are going to survive are the ones like your listeners who are going to say, how do I do this differently? How do I reinvent this business in a way uh, that I can be alive, I can be open to this. 
and I'll give you some examples. You know, I have many, um, you know, people that I've I've dealt with uh, who, um, what they've done online is they've set up um, and they've done offers for events. Some of them have, you know, 3,000 people that would come to an event. And it was a major, major uh, thing uh, for for them. They just basically were out of business when they couldn't hold events. They would have uh, people coming to hotels and they would, uh, you know, have uh, speakers uh, come to these things. And so they had to change their way of doing business so that they c- had their events and made their events so valuable as online events, as Zoom or I think there's there's a couple other platforms that are really inventive of how to carry this on. Um, and they found they were afraid people wouldn't sign up. But people signed up and they found that they saved all of the money, the expense of the hotel, uh, the expense of the meals, you know, having coffee, donuts, whatever you usually do at these things. And they made more money uh, than they did before. So but they were afraid, just like many of your listeners, to say, well, I've always done it this way, so people aren't going to sign up. They're not going to, um, you know, participate. They're not going to pay money for this. Hey, you know, the people that are your customers are in the same boat as you. They were required to stay home unless they had to, uh, you know, be out for essentials. And But they still want to learn. They're stuck at home. They've got their slippers and their, you know, uh, leisure wear on, <laughs> um, you know, but they, they want to learn. They want to keep going. They want to be ready for the next challenge. So exactly. don't, uh, you know, think that you can't uh, change the way you do biz- business. You know, it gets boring mm-hmm. after a while, even if we didn't have the pandemic, to do things the same way again and again. And then you will have attrition from people like being bored with what yeah. you're doing. They're done. They've seen so, it all, you know, time and time right. again. One of my business um, partners is she has done a lot of these kind of events, you know, with big corporations right. and, you know, with big businesses. And now everything, of course, has had to go virtual and they've had to learn how to do it. She's exhausted but exhilarated because it's new thinking. And she's, right. you know, she'll send me a text, say, I think I'm going to die. But, man, that was fun. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> don't die. Oh, you know, yeah. Call me tomorrow and tell me about it. But but the thing is, and you're right, I mean, there there are so many things that happen here. And there's this whole flow. I mean, the, the hotels are going to lose business. The The event planners are probably going to lose a little business. But if they're smart, they're going to find another way to do business, which leads me to a thought that I was having as you were talking. And that is, don't try to do any of this on your own. Listen to Denise. Listen to other people who know what the heck they're talking about. Ask for advice. Go hunt for advice. Go into groups. Go into events that you probably wouldn't have gone to before and say, okay, what's going on here? What's happening? What can I emulate? What can I say? Oh, that not in like that, but I love this. Don't right. try to do it on your own is my point, and no. I think it's your point as well. Someone has already figured this out. They have uh, figured out the mousetrap, and what you need to do is go and and nicely copy it. As long as it's not trademark or intellectual property, copy it, because the the platforms are available to you, and they aren't uh, as expensive as you think. So Some you know, find out how to do them. Right. Some of them are exactly. very free, right? And if you, know, you need to it, wear... A virtual assistant, an attorney, a CPA, hire the people that you need to hire. First of all, make sure that they're the best for you. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You ask for referrals. You follow them on social media. And you'll hear me say this all the time. You can have the best credentials in the world, but if people don't know you, like you, or trust you, heck with it. You're not going to get much further. Right, right. That's for sure. That's for sure. So, and even those event planners that we talked about, uh, some of them have gone to how do I organize and how do I make seamless an online event? So they've had to, uh, you know, change their way of of doing business as well and uh, very successfully. They make the event such that, uh, you know, the person coming to it is like wowed by it and they want to come back, can't wait till the next uh, one. And they feel better about it because sometimes they don't want to travel or can't uh, fit it into their business. But if they're 
at their place of business, they can, you know, spare that day or two days uh, for the event because they're there for questions for their team. And a lot of these, because I, you know, I'm always looking for new information and new ways of doing business. A lot of these, once it's over, and this I think is a very smart move, is they will make it available, you know, as a, a re. You can revisit it. They'll right. put all you of it into it. right. Mm-hmm. You can buy for let's say ninety seven dollars, and you get the entire the event for ninety seven dollars. It lives in the cloud, or you can download it to your computer, so you can keep going back and going. Hey, hang on a second. Denise Garrick said this. Where I can't remember it. Now you can remember it. You go back in there, and you go find it, and you just kind of cement in your head what was really important enough for you to want to hear again. You can't do that when you're at an event. You just can't. Right. There's so much right. going on. There's a lot of movement, a lot of talking, and yet they, they're great to do. But I think this new way of doing things to me is just smarter and healthier. And I do agree with that. I find that, um, like if you're on a, a Zoom uh, meeting, um, having people be able to chat right then and there, their questions or comments, you can learn a lot from the comments. And, um, you know, the presenter can, you know, bring you up to date on the answers to the questions so that uh, you are are learning more in, you know, regular time than having to take a question home with you that you didn't know the answer to and then try to find the person that can answer it for you. So I I think there's just really positive things about using the platforms. Um, and, you know, I think you can do very well. You They call it pivot, but whatever it is, for me it's just reinventing the way you do your business to um, work with what um, you are doing today. Um, and how you're reaching seen, people. Right. You, know, you, you reach a lot years. more people, I think, doing it this way than you do having to have them right. go to Orlando to you know, whatever, let's just pick a hotel, but yeah, you know, right. I don't want to go to Orlando. I don't like it. I never did. Not going. I'll yeah. watch a Zoom, though. Well, even the ones that, you know, are presenters. Um, I saw, you know, probably four years ago, um, you know, Kevin, Herring- Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. Shark Tank right. um, he invested in a business that was doing, I guess they're holograms, um, you know, so he had a machine and it wasn't perfected at that point, but um, he could, when it was set up, and as long as they had the right equipment at the other end, he could uh, send his holographic image to the place without even going and being there. Oh. So I thought, well, wow, what are we coming to? So, you know, it's been an evolution, but it was really in 2020 like a trial by fire. We had to do something different, and we had to do it right then. And people figured ways. So Exactly. Um, yeah. And you know, the word pivot, not my favorite word. I think I've no. shared that with you. It's overused. It doesn't even really make sense. I prefer to use the word adapt because that's a whole mm-hmm. different thought process. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's tremendous opportunity out there. And many of your listeners, uh, uh, you know, maybe at this time it's good to look at the other side of things, being a buyer. Um, so what I see happening out there uh, in the marketplace is uh, many people who are like, I'm, I'm done, you know, I'm burnt out, um, I want to sell my, my business. And so you, if you have, if that's a compatible business to, you know, what your listeners are involved in, um, you know, it's something to look at. Um, it's it's another way of growing uh, your business. You either grow it organically by one-on-one sales or through your marketing efforts, uh, you know, putting offers out there, or... Um, you um, hire a salesperson who's going to go out and knock on doors and sell the the widget that you're making, or um, you're going to buy somebody's existing book of business. So, um, you know, the things that we talked about um, here and on the last podcast, now we're flipping it to the other side. And many of the things that, you you know, I told you about in the last uh, podcast are the case here, too. 
Um, you know, for instance, uh, you you are looking at um, compatibility. You know, you want to make sure if you're a potential buyer that um, the reputation of the firm is right, uh, that the culture will fit with your culture, how they did business would fit with your business, um, you know, that uh, all of these things are, are good fits. I see when when people do buy, the things that usually fail are because the cultures and the compatibility are not there. The way they and, did business was different. Right. When you're talking about culture, too, I'm, I'm wondering, because some companies have a very distinct company culture. They want to be compassionate, I guess. You know, they want to do right. a lot of charitable work, and I think that's terrific. But if their reputation is bad, what right. do you do? I, mean, I would say you walk off. So right. isn't their reputation about as big a part of this as anything? Reputation and culture are essential. And if those don't fit, uh, then walk away from it. No matter how much you think that this book of business is going to be great, you know, the people that worked it, that created these, uh, you know, uh, different customers were operating with perhaps, uh, you know, maybe they were doing sales all the time in order to generate it so that the margins are too small. Maybe they were... um, you know, doing it uh, and not, uh, I don't I don't want to malign people, but <laughs> maybe they weren't the most honest, let's put it that way, um, in selling to uh, people. And so all of that kind of stuff is going to come back to bite you. So reputation is really important. What is the reputation in your industry uh, that you're looking to get into um, or expand? And, um, you know, if those things are a bad fit, walk away. Um, you know, then at the front end of looking at a, a business, you're going to, you know, approach the uh, owner and say, well, I, I may have an interest. Do you have an interest in selling? And if they say yes, the next thing you have to do is sign an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Um, that will give you access to all of the different things that you're going to need to look at to know, um, you know, that this is a potential good business for you. And so at that point, uh, you should be you're one of your team members as your CPA because um, a lot of this uh, that you're going to be going through is going to be numbers. You, you, uh, your listener, uh, the entrepreneur, may be more in sales and marketing rather than in numbers. So you need a numbers person who's going to evaluate that and see, uh, you know, what what's going on in the company. How much do they have in receivables? How often does their inventory turn? Um, all sorts of things like that that um, you might not um, notice. Uh, you might notice it in your business. Maybe you have somebody internally that's looking at those things to make sure everything is flowing. And, you know, your accounts receivable don't go above 90 days or something. Um, but, you know, you in another business, that's what you're taking on. Oh. Then you're determining, yeah, what assets do you want to buy? So sometimes it's just the book of business. Oh, sometimes so you don't you, have to. I never thought no. of that. So you don't have to buy the whole darn business. You can, no. Okay. That's good to know. No, because... You you know, the person that you're buying it from has a location. Maybe you have enough bandwidth in where you're located as a buyer that you could take on that business um, because you have the people, the personnel to support it, but you don't need their location. You don't need their building. You don't need their people. Um, you know, sometimes that's a, a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. So you you are... Different buyers buy it for different purposes in different ways. But you can just buy the book of business. You can buy the, the phone number, the fax number, the web uh, site, um, all of those things that are in DISHA, the name, um, and the book of business, the customer file. And in the website, I'm glad you mentioned that because I sold a, mm-hmm. I sold my very first website, which I built in college, 
on a laptop, and it became an immensely popular. It was a, a Christmas website, immensely popular. And what I had to sell with it was the goodwill. And a lot of right. people don't think of that. You have to have goodwill. Right. The goodwill is what you're really selling. A going business exactly. is, you know, it continues because people come back and they buy again. And that's what your goodwill is. It's not some foreign concept. It's the fact that you have this list of customers who keep coming back and buying. And that's what, you know, a buyer really wants is I'm expanding my business. I don't have to go find those buyers as long as they'll come to me. And then I'm going to uh, be able to enlarge and put all of my people to work. Maybe they weren't, uh, didn't have 100% full plates and let them run with it. Gotcha. So, and again, this goes back to what I said a couple of times. Don't try to do this on your own. You know, get advice, get good advice. But, Denise, how do you know if the advice you're getting is good? Are there any kind of benchmarks that you should be, I don't even know if that's the right word. Are there any (laughs) clues to, I'm trying to act smart here. Are there any clues that you may be talking to maybe the wrong person for you at that time? Well, you know, I've given you a lot of, or your listeners, a lot of, like, guidelines. And, you know, if people that you talk to potentially to hire an attorney don't talk about any of this stuff, then they're the wrong person. Mm. You know, if you know other people who have, in your communities, who have bought businesses, ask them who they've used. Have they been satisfied with them? Um, You look for a person that has done uh, business uh, sales, um, purchases, mergers, acquisitions, all of that stuff, you want to have somebody that has that in their background. You know, if you're a smaller um, entity, you're probably not going to go to a, a, a large uh, law firm uh, that you'd pay a fortune for and is not going to give you any better advice for your smaller buy than, um, you know, for uh, using somebody that is local that has done smaller buys before. So experience is really where it's at. Um, having, If you have a tax person that you use, uh, you, you are going through the same question. Hey, um, how many businesses do you work with? And have you ever helped people, um, you know, going through the tax aspects of things as well as um, looking at disclosure um listings of of assets and what have you, have you ever done that before? And see, this is where good case studies, I think, are very, very helpful. If you're trying to hire somebody, let's say a CPA, or somebody Uh who helps with, you know, kind of reworking your business, a re-engineering expert, if you will, case studies to me are just about critical because you have to show proof that you right. have done what you say you are doing. So that's one thing to look at as well. Well, I agree with that. And, you know, you're as you're growing, you should be building that team. Mm-hmm. And the team is both internal as well as external. And so you are finding the right attorney that's going to help you, the right CPA, the right insurance broker, All of these are part of your team. And as you grow the business, you may find that you've outgrown some of them. So then you get the the next person who is going to get you to that next level. But you have to have the team so that they're there to support you in the event that you uh, find the perfect opportunity or what you perceive is and that they can uh, shadow you and make sure that you're making the right moves. Now, let me ask you this. Business coaches, are they, depending on who they are and what their expertise is, should they be part of your team? Um, I think that um, entrepreneurs should make more use of business coaches in general. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know people that have been out there, you know, the ones that are on the sales side, you know, those people have probably dealt with business coaches to say, okay, is this a good time for me to, you know, go ahead and exit? Is this the right uh, move for me? Do I have, what bandwidth do I have? How do I go about selling this? You know, an entrepreneur is is really a lonesome job. 
um, because you, you, talk to, you know, My if cat. you have 20 workers, um, you know, you. you can't talk to them. <laughs> you know, you're not going to tell your employees, hey, I'm thinking of selling. Um, oh, gosh. You know, you might say if you're on the buy side, I'm thinking of buying, but even those people mm. are like, God, I'm loaded up to the hilt. Don't tell me this. I, I better look for another job. <laughs> right. You and know, that's the first so, thing they'll do. You'll see resumes right. printing all over the office. Right. So the best thing is you, you find a business coach and try to plan um, what your business strategy is going to be. What's your vision going forward for the future? And try to stick within those parameters so that um, you know where you're going and you have somebody that is going to keep you from, um, you know, going into the abyss, so to speak. <laughs> I know. Now, Denise, don't you have a program that kind of handles that? It seems to me that you do. Yeah. Um, we act as, a, you know, like an outside general counsel for many of our business clients. And so... Um, our job is uh, really, I look at ourselves as the modern form of a consigliere, you know, where I'm whispering things into the uh, client's ear and they're whispering back. I know where all the secrets are. I know where, uh, you know, the direction people are going. I try to keep them on that direction and keep them from having legal problems. So, um, you know, it's a different way of, of practicing in the, the corporate arena or the business arena, but it's something that I like the best because it, it, you know, involves and how how do we make the business grow as against oh I'm the fireman let's put this other fire out yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and we're all doing that a lot of us are running from you know crisis to crisis which is a terrible right. way to do life or business that's so true stop it get it you know figure out what you need <laughs> to do and right. I say that and you're laughing but it really is kind of that easy. You get the people on board who can actually help you that you're willing to listen to, create a right. plan, stick with the plan, change the plan when it needs to be changed, and don't run from fire to fire to fire and say, oh, my God, right. know, I'm tired. And unfortunately, because of the dynamics of what is happening in our world right now, it's not just America, it's the entire world. Right. A lot of us are responding emotionally, which to me is about the stupidest darn thing you can do. Right. No, that's the truth. Well, I'll give you one more tip uh, for your audience that if you don't have a business coach, you may say, well, what what can I do? I don't have one right now. Uh, but while you look for one, some businesses are setting up, um, you know, advisory boards. Mm. And so you look for, you know, maybe three, four, five uh, people who are in different businesses than yours in your area that are very successful and ask them if they would be willing to meet uh, with you um, and talk about your business and uh, directions for your business and all of that type of thing. Um, And, you know, meet, uh, you know, once a quarter, once every, you know, four months, uh, five months, whatever, you know, and give them a stipend. I'll, I'll pay you $300 every time you come. And you'd be surprised, uh, you know, people that have used that as a business model uh, get a whole other perspective of their business, how it relates uh, to things in the community, um, you know, opportunities that may pop up, um, how to handle um, employee problems. Because you're looking at, you know, getting the experience and the wisdom from people who have been there. You know, they're more experienced than you. Uh, they like you. They like who, the direction you want to take your business. And so they're looking out for you. Um, so that might be a, an option for some of your uh, people that don't have all of these teams in place or can't afford them or that's how they perceive it. Um, to really stay in going in the right direction and not uh, end up having problems. See, that is brilliant. And I have said this for many, many years. Just ask. Just ask. You know, people who are right. already very successful, they're doing what you – it may not be in your arena at all, but you right. really love how they present, you know, how they show up and how they help. Listen, the truth is, and I want everybody to hear this, it's important, that most entrepreneurial-minded people 
do not want to see you lose. They genuinely want to help you. They may do it for free. They may do it for a favor. I love the stipend idea. I mean, you just ask. Seriously. Right. And most of the time, you're, you know, there's three responses. Yes, no, or they ignore you, which is essentially a no. So there's two responses. But you don't know unless you ask for crying out loud. Right. Most people are willing to help. If you're a stand-up player as a business person, um, they want stand-up players out there, and they remember having been one themselves, you know, and how that would have worked uh, in their favor so nicely so they didn't have to find out things the hard way like your listeners are trying to do now. So, you know, rely on that uh, expertise and that experience uh, so that you can jump over the hurdles that you think are insurmountable, but find out how uh, people have done it. Exactly. And they do want to help you. Listen, I have, I, my podcast continues to this day because I was, I was really not getting anywhere with it. I didn't know what I was doing. There was nobody to teach podcasting as there is now. I've been doing this for 13 years. Right. And, just about the morning, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't see where it's going to go. I can't find guests. Right. And I've been a longtime fan of Larry Wingett, the pit bull of personal oh, success. sure. I know Larry, Larry Wingett. Uh-huh. I know you do. And right. I really like him as a person, as a, a entrepreneur. As a, you know, I have all of his books. So I sent him a note on Facebook, explained who I was, that I had just interviewed his friend Bob Berg, Everybody knows mm-hmm. who Bob Berg is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I said, listen, you know, this is who I am. I used to watch your show. I can't remember the name of it now. And I've got your books, and I would really be honored if you would consider being on my podcast. And then I walked off because I thought, well, that's the end of that. That just He's not going to respond to me. When I came back into my office, he was, sure, love to. I was like, oh. You're kidding me. So I will tell you right now, Larry Wingett saved this podcast, and I thank him every day for that. But I had to ask. So it's important. Yes, you do. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid of having a no. You just, uh, you know, it's the law of averages. When you go out and sell, you are going to have a certain amount of no's when you meet with people. And then, you know, the more you do it, um, the probability is you'll have a yes there and you'll build on your yeses. Exactly. Listen, we stopped uh, streaming, but we're still recording. I told you, this. we always run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we do, just, we do. Well, thing. we'll just have to do it again. <laughs> we probably will. So before I let you go, do you have any last thoughts? And then where can people find you? Well, um, I am so pleased to be able to talk with your audience and, um, you know, don't give up. You know, that's what I would say. When the going gets tough, just remember you're the tough one. And so the tough get going. Uh, you you aren't going to be the, the loser here. Uh, you know, I think Tony Robbins uh, said that, uh, and if I'm attributing it to the wrong one, he says uh, there are, there is no losing. There's either winning or there's learning. So right. look at all of the things that you have gone through that you've learned from. And I think that is a really correct statement. Um, you know, learn from those things, those tough things, those mistakes you've made, and don't put yourself down from it, for it. Um, you know, when you're in business for, you know, 30 years, you'll be able to look back and say, oh, you remember that thing I went through that I had such trouble with? That got me to where I am today. So look at it from that perspective. Have a long-term perspective, and I think uh, you'll be very successful out there. And so, when you're looking back, there's so much, even though it was a crisis at the moment, or you thought, oh, my God, right. my business is over, my marriage is over, oh, my God, you right. know, whatever it was, there are going to be pockets of gratitude that you will find when you look back and go, oh, it had to yes. happen that way, but look what I learned. That's right. That's right. So I think we're all here to learn, uh, whether it's in our business and our personal life, uh, you know, and so take those lessons and learn from them. So you're growing. You don't grow from the successes necessarily, although I like to think so sometimes. You, uh, you know, grow in the times of trouble. And exactly. so 
2020 has been a year of growth if you uh, looked at it that way. I actually did, and I do, and I'm thinking 21 is going to be the same. But here's the thing. If you are going to sit around and go, oh, my God, and I saw this all over social media, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. Why? It's just a day on the calendar. Right. What's going to change unless you make it change or you get in front of it? I I don't understand that kind of attitude. 2020 was a year. Now we're in 2021. Same stuff, same day. Yeah, it's... Just go out and do your best every single day, every single month, year, whatever it is. Right. Don't lose the faith, right? Exactly. Denise, where can people find you on the web? Um, You can go to my website, which is www.girachlawfirm.com. It's spelled G-I-E-R-A-C-H, lawfirm.com. Or if I can help any of the listeners, you can call me uh, at my uh, office. 630-756-1160. But thanks so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. It's been fun. It has been, and I love hearing your your advice because it's always so on point. So thank you. It's been wonderful speaking with you again, and I thank you for all of the wonderful tips and advice that you've shared with our audience as well as you being so willing to you know, have people reach out to you. So I thank you for that. Before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes and anywhere else you consume your business podcast. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Denise, thank you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 